You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. It is piping hot in the studio today. Summer has arrived. It's very warm. (laughs) It's not not supposed to stay this way, though. I think it's supposed to be warm tomorrow, but rain. Yeah, and even looking at the week from what, I mean, the weather, who knows. Um, it looks like it's going to be kind of in the, er- like, just like early 20s, like 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 all week. But then it's supposed to rain tomorrow. It's supposed to rain Thursday a little bit. Um, and then maybe rain on the weekend. Well, that's been our spring, so more Some of the same. Slash but it is... It feels like summer currently. But the heat, this is the thing about the heat, because it's definitely hotter in the studio than it is outside, and it makes me very tired. Yeah, and lethargic. And... I just want to sleep. Yeah, I'm with you. But we'll s- save the nap for after the show. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll just <laughs> leave. An hour of us. Just, just an hour of us just sitting here. Slight snoring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screening in Kingston really goes off the rails. Snappy nappy in Kingston. <laughs> um, so we, I don't, yeah, I don't even it's know where gonna I was going a, with that It's going to be a busy episode because we're it reviewing three movies, three very different. Yeah. The screening room always gives us kind of a, you know, a smorgasbord. Yeah, and, and as I kind of wanted to do one blockbuster a week because it's the summer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about Men in Black International. Um, as well as we've got two screen room movies, which you, well, so this is what happened. We, we decided the movies last week because people yeah. always ask about the behind the scenes <laughs> stuff. We decided I was going to see men in black and you were going to see ask Dr. Ruth and everything was fine. But then as sometimes happens, the screening room suddenly decided they were releasing a movie that they hadn't really been promoting. Like at least we didn't know it was, I didn't, happen. I had no idea this was coming to the no screening idea. Room. And so it's the, the dead don't die. And I, on my own thought, well, I'll go see that. Like, it looks like something Duh. I'd like to see. And you thought on your own, well, I'll go see that. <laughs> so we both ended up seeing the dead don't die. <laughs> we both didn't like it. Yeah. We both, <laughs> we both ended up seeing it, not liking it. Um, which was disappointing because only lovers left alive is one of my favorite movies um by the same director jim Mm -hmm. jarmusch so Mm -hmm. that's why i wanted to see this even though i'm not really into zombie movies i like Um, zombies and i looked at the cast and went yeah i'll go to that stellar cast (laughs) anyways we'll get into it when we get to the movie reviews but but there you go we got three movies to talk about today we have two fan questions to to kick things off i do want to remind people that we do have a deadline now for fan questions so if you want your fan questions read on the tuesday show you need to get them to us by five o'clock on Monday. Otherwise, it's going to be the on week. next week's show. And unfortunately, even though this is an exception and we could have read this question on air, this is for Tyler. You missed the deadline. <laughs> and you even said it in your email. And I thought for two seconds, like, maybe I'll be nice because we do have the ability to read it this week. No, that's not the rule. But you are going to pin it for next week. Oh, yes, Tyler, your question will be... be addressed next week. It's actually a solid question, okay. and he had a really good idea for us, and I'm actually kind of pumped about it, but we're waiting till next week because that's the rule. Even I don't get to be happy we're about it. We're sticklers. We're sticklers to the rules. So let that be a lesson to all of you. 
send in your questions by Monday at 5 p.m. to get on our Tuesday show. Or Otherwise it'll be the week. Yeah, it'll be the week later. Um, so our questions this week come from Johnny and Erica. So starting with Johnny. Oh, they're bo- both these questions are addressed to Taylor, by the way. So I will be speaking <laughs> n- absolutely <Minimally>. not after <laughs> the question has been read. So Johnny asks, Taylor. I'm so excited for this vampire episode we've been promised uh, and the fun casting that can be had around it. Have either of you had a chance to see the trailer for the new TV version of What We Do in the Shadows? Looks like a great show based on one of my favorite movies. Um, Johnny, just, uh, just to begin with, we are still in the talks about doing a vampire episode. It's just a matter of finding um, when it will work well kind of based on season, based on our schedules, based on movies, because there isn't any um, vampire movies currently out or um, coming out. It's kind of hard for us to have a thematic episode in that way. But um, if a vampire movie comes out, then by all means, we're going to do our vampire episode. Otherwise, we'll wait till the fall yeah. and but have kind of one. a... We are going to do gonna one. Happen. It just might not be until kind of more a Halloween-y... Um, when I'm at my best, I'm my best person and, in October. I mean, to Johnny and everyone else, because I know we've had a lot of questions about this this past couple of weeks. Trust me, you want it in the fall. Yeah, you like, may think you want it now. No, you want it in the fall. Why do you want to talk me. about vampires yeah. when it's hot oh, out? You're gonna want. You're gonna want <laughs> us to do this as a special episode in October. I think I, like I said, unless you know, we somehow get a a vampire movie before october one drops out of nowhere yeah, yeah. just <laughs> very randomly then yes but otherwise we're gonna wait so the second part of the question was have i seen the trailer yet what we do in the shadows um, there's a tv show yeah so have you seen the movie yes it's amazing it's a fantastic movie it's available on netflix if people haven't seen it i really like it it's on my best vampire list for sure i haven't seen the actual trailer for what we do in the shadows yet but i've seen a lot of um screen caps and i've seen episode reviews and stuff it looks phenomenal there's an episode where they kind of have a bunch of guest stars come as part of a vampire vampire tribunal and it's people who have played i think vampires in the past like david Borales from angel and buffy has a cameo <laughs> i don't think he's playing angel but he has a cameo so i think it's great but the problem is i don't have cable and i try not to do any um what network is it on I, I think it might be Showcase, Showtime. I think Showcase is Canadian. But Showtime. Um, Showtime, maybe. I'm not sure. And because I don't have cable, it's hard for me to figure out how I'm going to watch it at this time. And I'm really trying so hard not to do any kind of streaming. Um, like, I, I, I still rent movies. <laughs> That's how um, ethical so I'm trying to be. FX. Oh yeah, FX, and I don't know. I don't think they have I a streaming service. Yet, sometimes Netflix streams streams FX stuff because the American Netflix has Always Sunny, and that's an FX show. And I think Legion, which it pops on the so, FX uh, website right off the bat, I think that's on Netflix. They have good. They Archer have good. Is, yeah. They have good television. They FX. Do. They do. So eventually, um, it'll probably be one of those things where the full season gets put on Netflix. Yeah, well, it looks like on the website you, you can, can watch you can watch the, the full pilot. season, at least the pilot. But you might have to, yeah, and then it might on. be one of those things. It might be a paywall. We're gonna find out. Yeah. Oh, you they pay. want you to have yeah. cable. <laughs> wah wah. So, um, long, the long and the short of it is, I want to watch this show desperately. 
um, when and how it's to be foreseen. Fingers crossed, whoever owns um, Classic Video, they get mm -hmm. a television series. So um, shout out to Classic Video. Please buy what we do in the shadows. And actually, uh, Tyler's question and idea has to do with Classic Video. Oh. Um, but again, even though this would be a perfect time, this is the perfect time to Good bring up segue. this question because it's a great segue. We're still not doing it because okay. he broke the rule. Sorry, uh, fair Tyler. Enough. Next fair week. Enough. So reveal. that question was addressed to both of us. Have you seen the trailer yet? Oh, did it? oh yes. Oh, oh, either of you. Oh, well. Uh, yes, I saw the trailer. Um, looks really, really good. And I, again, same sort of ish. I don't have cable, but I do. I have Crave and I have Netflix, but it won't come to Crave. But it looks like it's the type of thing that will go to Netflix as a full season. I think season. so. Like once the season's done, they throw Because that's what they do with Archer. Yeah. Um, so And the movie, the movie version yeah. is on Netflix. So it would be weird. Yeah to not but i don't want to i don't want to have those streaming service like i don't want to be one of those people who has like every single streaming service because then you might as well just get cable um but yeah i'm looking forward to it because i think it looks really good yeah uh thank you johnny for your question uh erica is next <laughs> <laughs> um taylor i can't believe you didn't like book smart three question marks taylor how could you <laughs> how could you taylor I really felt the comedy uh, hit home for me, but I think you said you didn't laugh at all, question mark. What sort of comedies do you like, if not well-written, book smart? You know, I, I did one of those, like, <laughs> like, this, like the breathy laugh, like, <laughs> like you know yeah, what I, I mean? Like you, under like, your, said you had, like, an under-the-breath laugh. Under your breath, kind of, like, That's huff. It works. Um, I thought, like, some of the parts of the movie were funny. I just don't, I don't know, like... Sometimes things are hit and a miss. You know what I mean? Like, everyone has their opinions. And everything hits for certain people for different reasons than, than yeah. others. So maybe that's just a, you know, for Erica, I think it's just maybe a simple situation is for you, the movie really worked, but for Taylor, just didn't. Yeah. Um, I do like comedies, and I um, I like a variety of comedies. I, I was saying to Mike, I love Superbad, which I thought this movie was trying to be and didn't quite hit the mark. Yeah. Um, Superbad's a great movie. Well classic. written. As yeah, well. well written, classic kind of coming of age. Um, I like a lot of kind of dark comedy or like, uh, you know, kind of more quirky comedy. I like British, like old school, like Monty Python stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, I think my tastes are across the board. Yeah. I love like, <laughs> like, I love a good anchor man. Yeah. Like, I like either dumb, like, I like dumb, I like yeah, dumb humor. Yeah. I just, I can't get into to Monty Python. Really? I just, I don't find it funny. I don't know what it is. I've, I've spent the better part of three years trying to, like, get into it. And even, even before then and, and now, like, I'm, tr I've been trying, like, here, I'll try a little bit yeah. some things. I just don't find it funny. I don't know like, what have you, it is. Have you tried, like, one of their movies? Like, I'll be so, honest, I've never watched the television program but my, I've seen the big movies. The last year, as I was transitioning out of my theater company that I ran, we did spam a lot. Yeah. So I watched The Holy Grail. Yeah. Um, did not like it. And then I watched bits of their show. Yeah. To try to get a sense of their humor and, and didn't really get into it. And then I've seen Life of Brian. Great movie. Which I didn't like. Um, I just... Do you not just... like... Do you like um, sketch comedy, though? Yeah. Because um, that's, well, like, to me, like, that's... Okay, the films I guess, are sketch comedy. I guess I way. would say that sketch comedy is not my favorite 
Because even like Saturday Night Live, yeah, I'm not like a huge fan of like I, some of it, but I but some sketches like I really like Key and Peele, and yeah. I, and I like the Chappelle Show is still one of my favorite comedy shows. But again, like Dave Chappelle, I like his sense of humor, so I think it's more about the people. Whereas SNL, some of the like when they, when they have people I really like on, I I seem to enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. But some of the SNL, like I don't think this current group is that that good. I, I've heard that. I find Pete Davidson to be one of the like least funniest that humans ever. That skinny guy who's yeah. dating Ariana yeah. Grande. I just I don't think he's even remotely funny. But also John Mulaney, who used to write for them, I find him hilarious. He's I love his stand up. Oh my um, gosh. So again, it, it depends on the people. Humor is so subjective. It is. Yeah. And like. I, you can't really describe someone's sense of yeah, humor. Yeah, like, I find bok choy funny. The <laughs> like word? The, 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 the word and also the vegetable. <laughs> like, I just find the concept of bok choy to be very funny. Like, to even just look at it. It's just the silliest thing I've ever seen. I would describe my, if I had to, if, you know, if I had to describe my sense of humor, it's like 15-year-old boy. And I think that's why I really like. Well, that would you know, make sense for super bad anchorman, super bad anchorman, like all of that kind yeah. of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I like situational comedy more than anything else. I, I think things are funny not because you're telling me to laugh, but because the situation warrants laughter. Yeah. I find that to be more more funny for me. Yeah. Which is why bok choy. Like if you just look bok at it, choy. it's the stupidest thing. I can't. <laughs> is it like? It's kind of like it has a well, white like, it's, stalk. Yeah, yeah, it's like green, and then it has like, but kind of like a green ball, and then it has like a white stalk. It just looks so funny, <laughs> in, in, and just I don't know, it's just such a silly vegetable. Um, anyway, there yeah, you go. I, There's our sense I of humor. I stand by that, fifteen-year-old boy. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for their questions. Uh, again, get us your questions by Monday at five o'clock. If you'd like to ask a question, just email us screeninginkingston at gmail.com by five o'clock on monday but you can also email anytime right now tomorrow anytime uh and we'll have it on the show also just find us on social media twitter instagram and facebook ask us a question on there make a comment we'll read it out on the show as well cool okay we've got some movies to review yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <Yes. laughs> we should start um why don't we talk about the dead don't die first seeing as we both saw it and it was kind of the 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 want added on <laughs> thing for this week that we were both excited about and disappointed with i was excited um because i was really interested in the cast it's bill murray chloe sevigny adam driver tilda swinton great cast donald glover Uh, or uh, sorry danny uh, danny uh, is it danny glover or donald Glover? it's not donald glover it's It's the other um glover yes but what's (laughs) But what's his first name? <laughs> it's not. While you're looking it up, look Iggy Pop <laughs> makes a cameo. Um, Selena Gomez. For Selena no Gomez. Reason. Tom Waits. Like it's a star-studded cast. Um, I also was excited because oh, Danny Lover's, Glover. Danny. See, I said Donald or Danny. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I was and what's the name of the guy who the creepy kid who's always in anything who's really good? In this? Oh, he's really good. What, he was in the new Twin name? Peaks. He doesn't. Uh, he was in so Get Out. Doesn't have a name yet, you know. Caleb Landry Jones? Yeah, I think so. He has a really weird... He has like Yes, a Caleb big... Landry Jones, who's three billboards, um, uh, the last exorcism. He's um, very good. He, he kind of looks like a... a cre- creepy guy. He kind of looks like a Culkin. But, but he's fantastic. I oh. think he's an amazing actor. I think, but because he looks kind of... Creepy. Creepy. He's always creepy roles. He, um, 
will never be like kind of well i guess steve buscemi is now a household name and steve buscemi is also in this yeah so maybe eventually over time he'll become a household name but because that's the thing like everyone listening will probably recognize him as like he was the creepy brother in get out yep uh the last exorcism he was the creepy brother um in uh three billboards outside of evan missouri he was like the creepy like salesman who actually puts up the billboards go guy gets beat up by um i haven't seen that by one. sam rockwell okay whatever but he's very good in that as well, well. he plays the creepy drug the addicted creepy boyfriend drug addicted. in the new season of twin peaks yeah and and he's also <laughs> the the creepy guy who sells gas in this town in the dead to die. although he was a little bit more char not charming he, he wasn't but... charming but he was a little bit more like he was a little bit more nerdy and kind of more like charming in that quirky that quirky way yeah oh he I, sells yeah. comics yes. <laughs> yeah but he did a good job he did a great job and again even though he, like he's got this mix of filmography that he's kind of playing the same thing i don't think i've ever seen him in anything that i haven't liked like him in terms of I his, think he's his giving very, he's very good. good so a shout out to caleb landry jones yeah um so anyways i i was very excited to see this movie screening room hadn't normally the screening room has a list of upcoming movies um, which will have like a date mm-hmm. that it's coming. They, I don't think, had any promotion for this film. So every once in a while they do this though, where they shock us. Yeah. Where they we think keeps that it happened toes. a couple weeks ago, where we thought, oh, we're only gonna do like a Rocket Man episode because there's not as much opening. But then they're like Tolkien everything and all these things, out. like everything palms. comes palms, like everything, <laughs> everything drops. The long and they shot. Tell us. Um. So, anyway, so I'm like, okay, great, Jim Jarmusch. You know, made one of my favorite movies. Star, star studded, star studded cast. It's about zombies. Not really into zombies, but whatever. I'll give it a try. Oh my gosh, was I ever disappointed? This movie, this movie. made very little sense. It it was it was weird. I think the first two thirds of the movie more or less made sense as a traditional zombie film with with into sort of outer worldly odd character satire feel to it yeah like Like the first two-thirds of the film were clear like to me at least was clear like it's satirical you know how zombie movies go and these characters kind of have a sense of it and and this is how it's but like i felt like it was like a coherent movie those first two-thirds yeah there was like a couple weird things but i feel like overall i'm like okay this is a this is an okay yeah i would say it was you know whatever and then bam the last third of the movie it completely did it it, (laughs) They kept doing super weird and random things, and it pretty much undid what happens in the third act for me, made it so that I didn't even feel like it was worth seeing the movie. The third act undermines the re- the first and second act yeah. of the movie. Yeah, like I felt like, why am I going to spend the last 15 minutes in this theater? I could literally And what's disappointing leave. was there were several moments where I I laughed quite profusely. Mainly the, the the very outer-worldly relationship that everybody in this town had, but Adam Driver's delivery of He's some great. of his lines. I love him. I, I thought he did a great job. And even Bill Murray, who I think has been phoning in his career recently, <laughs> kind of phones this movie in, but in a really funny way. Like, in a way of, like, he's sort of this detached sheriff, but is still somewhat emotionally connected to what's going on. I think everyone gave good performances, except yes. for Chloe Sevigny, but she didn't have a lot to work with. And I think Jim Jarmusch has a lot to account for with his treatment of Chloe Sevigny's character. Her being like the, not ditzy, but like the blonde, oh, oh, yes, younger yes, yes, yes. female police officer who immediately 
like loses her shit yeah essentially sorry for my swear but she like completely she doesn't keep it together she completely crumbles under one. pressure she's the only one who does and needs like um needs like affirmation from the male cast and yeah. i'm like oh my gosh like is this 1976 and i think that the underdevelopedness of her character also hurt as well because other there's very little i could tell you about her um and whereas i felt the other characters you knew something about their background you knew you more about sense. bobby the gar the gas station attendant than you did about you this girl you knew more about selena gomez's <laughs> character who comes in for literally <laughs> no cleveland. reason from cleveland you knew more about her being from cleveland and you could you could assume from her interactions with the two guys she was with you could assume a lot about her character and you could get that like there's a lot more developed yeah. there than there was for for this what was the name of her even character officer mm. Min mindy morrison who had almost nothing and just yeah, was there to not keep it together. I'm like, okay, are they going to um, subvert this ge traditional gender role? No. No. It, she has a horrible ending. Even Steve Buscemi's character, who's also pretty much a cameo, but that scene in the diner um, with with Danny Glover and and kind of going back to his, his farm, you learn a lot about who that person is. And you learn a lot about him from the other characters. Yes, like they talk about, about yeah. I don't know. So I thought, Jim Jarmusch, you really missed the mark with that character like she didn't even need to be in the movie no, i was no. a to be honest i don't really get offended while watching movies i was really offended well, by she was her really the only female character that was somewhat like even like a, a secondary lead that was consistent because even tilda swinton's character kind of comes and goes yeah whereas this like we were kind of with her Adam Driver and Bill Murray kind of from the beginning. Like it was really the three she's of them. Billed, she's billed as I'm, pr I'm pretty sure that it's like a three, like it's Adam Driver, her and Bill Murray. Yeah. Like they're billed as the yeah. stars of the movie. Yeah. And she was treated horribly. Yeah. Like I'm surprised she even took this role yeah, to be honest. It's, a, it, it's terrible. A terrible. I role. don't understand. So that's problem number one with this movie. Problem number two is in the third act of the movie, they introduce, like, random plot, like, one major plot point, mm -hmm. which, like, did not make sense. We no. try to be spoiler-free, yeah. so that's why I'm kind of, like, Doesn't make sense, skipping though. around what I'm saying. But they, they like, set it up so all these characters are supposed to meet in this place. Something happens, which is completely random, and then it's never addressed again, and the two characters, <laughs> the characters are left. basically go, oh. That's weird. And then they move on. And that's the audience. <laughs> oh. That's weird. Um, and I will say one thing about the film that's a little bit of a spoiler alert. They do break the fourth wall during the film, but in a weird way because they never talk to the audience. And they only do it really a couple of times. And this is where a lot of problems I have with films, and I've dinged a lot of films on this, is conventions that a director introduces. If you introduce a convention, but you don't really keep it throughout the movie and don't eventually explain why or, or even if you don't explain why like it adds something you yeah. know if it doesn't add anything then why were you doing it like it's it not, made no sense it didn't make sense yeah it didn't normally when you break the fourth wall in most cases it involves the audience they weren't involving the audience so i felt really um alienated by what was happening on screen and by the third act, them breaking the fourth wall is what undid 
everything in the first two thirds of the film. It really undermined. Yeah. And I don't understand what he was going for. I don't. What I don't understand is why this movie isn't, if they were going to break the fourth wall the way they did, where they don't involve the audience, why isn't it more like the film Stranger Than Fiction, where you have a character who knows he's in a book, realizes it, and tries to do things to actively not continue to be in that book. And or that's Groundhog the, Day. Groundhog Day. Like, that's the fourth wall breaking. I know I'm in a thing. I'm trying to break out of the thing. And that's a good convention, because especially in this movie, you'd have a character like Adam Driver's character, who's the one who's generally breaking the fourth wall. You could have him try to change his fate, but then here's a lesson about how every time you try to change your fate, you make it worse, or you end up going that way anyway. Like, there's a reason to do that. Yeah. In this, it felt like, well, that's just the movie's silly and odd but you i still think you have to be silly and odd with a purpose with a reason and with somewhere to go with it this felt like i didn't need to watch it now that i'm thinking and i have one of uh, one of our headlines today is about the film um maybe why you know the fact that oh he could change his fate but he didn't didn't maybe it's just a really pessimistic reading of today's you know we're in this horrible political situation and everyone's kind of like, it's horrible, but we're not going to do anything. Yeah. That that would be the only thing I could think like, oh, he's doing it. It's not so much um, the thir- the f- breaking the fourth wall was more like thematic saying like we're, you know, it's a very pessimistic reading of today's political climate. But like it doesn't really it doesn't read that, that literally way. took me that took me like a week. Yeah. <laughs> or it- how many days it's been. It doesn't read that way. And I think the other problem is, is like the movie is just too, too incoherent in some ways. Like it's clear what's going on, but I don't know. There's just, it's hard to get into, uh, even though like the first two, two acts of the movie, I probably enjoy better than the third act. It was still hard to get into. I, well, my attention was wavering here and there. The, like it was slow. The characters are very kind of isolated. Yeah. Like it's almost like not vignettes because everything's happening like in real time. But it would be like we're going to follow this character for a little bit. Then we're going to follow these two characters. So in that way, it was a little bit. Yeah. And the characters in most films, when directors or storytellers do that, at some point, all of the characters come together. Yeah. That never happens in this movie. There's no real connection point other than. The you, diner at yeah, the beginning. The diner at the beginning, and then they, you've got Bill Murray and Adam Driver kind of driving around. Like, what I thought was going to happen near the beginning of the movie, and I remember thinking this, is when the first sort of thing happens, I thought the rest of the movie was going to be about them going from place to place in the town and these issues happening and meeting up with these people and whatever. Right. But they don't, like, they often get there after something's happened, or they just never meet up with them. Well, at one point, they're like, oh, should we do something? And they're like, yeah, I guess. That's literally the movie. And one thing I will say about your kind of theory about what the director's trying to say is Adam Driver does remind me a lot of a lot of people right now in the way they're just sort of kind of this detached... Just Every, going through the going motions. through the motions. Everything sucks anyway. It's not really anything we can do. No one's special. Nothing is this and that. And like I kind of got that. And maybe that's why I found him so hilarious. Is because when I see something and I recognize it elsewhere, I can go, "Oh, like that's that's so funny." But I don't think it 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 worked because there was also no counterpoint. I, which I thought was going to be this group of teens arrive in this town, led by Selena Gomez, and they were going to be like bright and happy. But they're not really around. 
<laughs> like they and don't I, have a purpose. They had no reason for being there. They introduce three characters. We never know what happens to those three characters. Oh yes, yes. That also the, was right. another major problem with right, me. Yes. Um, it, but but, the, but you were saying this off air. It's like because they say something. They, we're they gonna literally go bl- blank, and then they, they they're gone, and you're like, what? This isn't a spoiler. <laughs> they go, I know a place we can hide, and then we never see them again. Again. Which is odd. <laughs> <laughs> so. Would you say go see this movie? Me, I say this is um, maybe a stream it, but yeah, like, definitely don't see it in theaters. I think for me, I would give it a stream it just because I think some people will enjoy this movie it's for, quirky, for the quirkiness of it. But I do think it's a stream it because the third act kind of ruins it for me. But I don't think it's as bad for me to say skip it altogether. I'm just going to give it a stream it. This might be one of those movies where, like, you know it's october and you're getting a list together of like yeah quirky halloween movies yeah that to me there. throw yeah. it in there get some popcorn be ready to make fun of it with friends but like save your money don't see this one in theaters so you would you say then stream it as your official yeah thing? stream yeah, it so both giving it yeah stream it. and you know we're not normally we don't talk about other critics but i'm just gonna say other critics are agreeing with us. Yeah, and I, I mean, even even in terms of audience responses, I don't think that the Don't Die has had a great audience, but like, like okay, but not like their IMDb rating is pretty low. I didn't check Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's fifty-two for critical consensus. Yeah, so it's clear that that people are mixed on this movie anyway. If 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 positive, it's still a mixed sort of review. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the Dead Don't Die. We're both saying stream it. Yeah. Okay, want to talk about? Um, Ask Dr. Ruth. This was um, a documentary about sex therapist Dr. Ruth. Mm-hmm. I think m- most people, she's a household name. Even if you don't really know who she is, you've heard the name because yeah. she's a huge pop culture icon. Mm-hmm. She was most popular in the 80s and 90s for giving sex advice and kind of making sex advice mainstream because she was working at a time when sex on the radio and television and in film was still pretty taboo. People didn't talk about their personal sex lives. Um, So she would, and she's um, a a German, a tiny little German lady. And when she was doing this, she was already like in her 50s and 60s, I think. So she was kind of like this, like kind of like grandma figure would like go on the radio and go on television and talk about sex. And like very, you know, um, she talked about it like very professionally, but in a way that made people comfortable to call in and be like, I'm having this issue. So that's kind of who Dr. Ruth is. And I knew about Dr. Ruth again, cause she's a pop culture icon. She's a little bit, um, when she was on television, I, I, I wasn't like, I think I was like an infant, you know what I mean? Like I never saw her actual programs, but I knew who she was. Um, and so the documentary is about her whole life. And she had a phenomenal life, like a very interesting. She's um, a survivor of the Holocaust, moved mm-hmm. to Israel, moved to New York. So the documentary is kind of a basic um, bio, I would say. Like it's a, a it's kind of like a, a biography. When the documentary was made in 2018, she was turning 90 and was still working. And um, this premiered at TIFF this fall. So she was um, almost, she was going to be turning 91. She was at TIFF to talk about the movie. So she's still, you know, kicking. And what makes the documentary so interesting is her as a a person. Mm -hmm. She's 
so engaging, so warm, very funny, like big personality. Um, and then she had a really interesting life. So yeah. the only problem I had with the documentary, and I find that this is a growing t- trend in documentary film, which I don't like or agree with. So now I find a lot of documentarians when um, they're recounting a part of a person's life or an event that they don't have footage of, mm. they'll animate it. Oh, yeah. So her life in, you know, as a, a displaced person during the Holocaust, as like a young person until about like when she comes to New York, all of that, which is a fair chunk of a film, is animated. And the directors had said, like, oh, we thought that this would be, you know, this is a very emotionally heavy um, material. We thought that by animating it, like, people could be drawn into the story. I think nine times out of ten, animation looks hokey. Oh, I would agree with that, especially in, in these types of contexts when you're talking about real things that happen and you're trying to, even if it's a lighter documentary, you're talking about a person yeah. that existed and what they did. and yeah. The, the animation wasn't bad. Like, I don't want to, it wasn't like cheap or uh, like it wasn't ugly animation. I just think using animation is, it just comes out like corny. Yeah, totally. Because it's like her voiceover and then, you know, they're animating it and it just seems like, no matter how hard you try, it just doesn't quite come off right. I, you know, grew up at a time when in do- when documentaries were made, um, it was interviews. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there's different techniques in documentary film, but normally if it's a bio, they're, you know, shooting the person head on, and it's kind of like a talking head. I would have had no problem with just watching Dr. Sure. Ruth narrate her own life and like looking at her again because she's so interesting and mm-hmm. so vivacious and the way she moves and they had gone to places in her life in the film so they had gone to israel they had gone to switzerland um and there's scenes of her you know walking the grounds mm. all they would have had to do was film her walking the grounds while yeah, narrating while narrating this. yeah so honestly that's the the only problem i had with the documentary it's not you know i still enjoyed the documentary and it's just personal preference i find that like um i think they did it also when i saw the giraffe movie they animated some of it and i just don't quite or yeah i don't understand this recent trend yeah i'm hoping that uh they'll stop <laughs> <laughs> they'll cease and desist the animation but um <laughs> I don't know, like, I guess at TIFF, because Nicole, my friend, was at TIFF when Dr. Ruth was speaking, they asked, someone in the audience, I think, asked her, what did you think of the animation? And she said, oh, I had a lot of misgivings about it. Like, I didn't know what would happen. But she's Mm -hmm. like, I actually thought it looked really nice. So I'm like, dang it. Like, when you have people that are like the internet, the the subjects being like, yes to animation, everyone's going to keep animating, but... That's just kind of a personal preference thing. I might be, a, I don't know how other people feel about animation. I know Nicole felt the same way that she thought the animation also was kind of like, eh. yeah. you know, I would have been, there's nothing wrong with just a straight interview in a documentary, yeah, no, especially when you're, especially when the subject of your documentary is so interesting as she is. Yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. Why not use that more? Yeah. And they even showed during the credits, they showed like actually, you know, because you get compile so much footage of when course. you travel with someone for yeah. like a year. So in the end credits, they showed like really cute, funny things she was doing. I'm like, why didn't you put that in the yeah, main? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, 
But anyways, so for me, it's definitely a see it. Yeah. It was phenomenal. I really enjoy documentaries, and this was the best one I've seen so far this year. That's so. awesome. Yeah. Wow, there go, you go. go see it. So Ask Dr. Ruth is a see it. Yeah, she's... She's funny. She's very funny. She's very interesting and charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely, like, heard of her before. Um, because, yeah, I, I do think she's more of a household name now. Like, she was spoofed on, like, you know, SNL. She went on all the talk shows in the 80s and 90s. Like, she was a big And she's big done deal. a lot of, like, really good things for, you know, a topic that is just not discussed probably enough. And the more you don't discuss something and the more you, you make something a big deal, the, the more awkward people get yeah. about finally talking about it. So Yeah, yeah fame think, aside. Yeah, she, she did a great job with that, for sure. And she was an early advocate for HIV and AIDS awareness. And, um, and her work with AIDS was rooted in the fact that she was a discriminated minority in her home country. So she said, you know, I'm seeing another discriminated minority and it's only going to lead. Yeah to to death essentially yeah. and that's what it, it was a death sentence in the 80s so yeah. she was um an early proponent of planned parenthood abortion when these things weren't yeah. in vogue weren't you know she was on the front line so again yeah. very interesting lady well worth a watch you, you might learn something about <laughs> sex yeah there you go <laughs> ask dr ruth ask dr ruth <laughs> i see it yeah um Okay, so uh, the last movie that we're talking about is is Men in Black International, which I also saw on the same day that I saw The Dead Don't Die. I decided I'm going to see these back to back. I'm going to get some ice cream in between. Travel across town. I'm travel across town. Uh, I had a rough day, and this was supposed to help, and it didn't. Yeah, um, you got two kind of crummy movies. I got two <laughs> crummy movies in a row, because <laughs> this is the thing about Men in Black. Really love the first movie. I think Will Smith is a movie star i think he's charismatic i thought he was amazing loved the first movie the ever the second movie was just awful just awful then the third movie kind of redeemed a little bit and had like some qualities to it but was clear was closer to the second one than the first one this movie kind of like a reboot but not really because it's new characters but they're they're making it clear it's later in the timeline so it's and they're in later. the same universe the same universe everything so the problem this movie has is it just sort of happened and then and then was over um there there's not much in there um it's very much a surface action movie it kind of gave you a little bit of nostalgia to, to men in black but not in not in any way that was good tessa thompson and chris hemsworth were were okay unpopular opinion is chris hemsworth talented enough i know he's like in thor and he's really good in thor he's a, he's a good thor yeah but i feel like everything else he's got good comedic timing like i think I he's guess, yeah he was good in the ghostbusters yeah, movie like in in comedies i think he does quite well and you know i, I don't want to say they were they were both bad i just think that like this the rest of this movie just kind of happened did they have good chemistry yeah they do i mean they, they were in a thor movie together and and this is like the second movie they've done together and they have good chemistry um but i don't know i everything down to the the plot in this movie was very generic um kind of predictable the twist in the movie was extremely predictable um, th nothing really ha there's, there's no, the way the first men in black was, is there was kind of a central 
villain or central thing that that it was really important that had to happen this movie has the kind of new age thing of well there can't just be one thing happening there has to be eight things happening and it and has it's to the be fascists little, yeah and it's, it's convoluted <laughs> and it has to be this and that and it has but really this movie was missing that it was missing a central point uh it just sort of happens and comes together i mean a, a good example of that is the whole idea of uh, the, right at the beginning tessa thompson's character is someone who has been searching for the men in black her whole life well within about 10 minutes discovers them and gets recruited and it happens so fast and i know they just probably wanted to get to the movie that that was the reason but it happens it's so the fast. opposite problem of hellboy yeah it happens so quickly <laughs> that there's just there's no time to get to know her and and the reason why we liked Will Smith in the original one, and even Tommy Lee Jones, is we saw them separate for about a half an hour, and then they come together. And we see what they saw in Will Smith's character in the original movie, and you get to learn a little bit about who he is, but really he's a nobody, that's why they recruit him, because he doesn't really have much of a life. But he has charisma, and he has something strong and talented about him that you're like, wow, you want to do something with this person. But in this movie, it's just kind of like, oh, you found us, okay, well, I guess, I guess you're one of us now cool so if we can't beat you you gotta join i guess so which in but they they have this neurological thing that erases your memory so like it wouldn't be an issue but anyway but then the next time that something happens where i also thought it was too quick was how they even start on the mission of of chris hemsworth and tessa thompson being together she just sort of shows up to his desk and is like oh i'm coming with you on this mission he's like no that's fine i'm okay then she's like oh okay well here's this research then she she walks away and he goes okay (laughs) that doesn't it sounds like a corny like TV show. It sounds like a big fan of the original Men in Black movie. Maybe maybe a young Mike Shepard sat down at his computer and wrote a fanfic and was like, "Well, this fanfic's super good." And now this fanfic's on TV and the film. And I I just to me, it just came off as a very lame movie. Had entertaining moments and for a summer blockbuster. And if you don't want to think and just have fun, sure. The, the, there's a lot of just turn your brain off and in, enjoy this film. But I think the best movies, even that are like that, like the Marvel movies and other ones, have other things, have heart, have things within it that are interesting. And I just feel like this movie fell extremely flat for me. I just think it's further proof that reboots or whatever you want to call it, if it's a reboot or a sequel or whatever, you know, it is a type rope and it can go either way mm-hmm. and normally it goes yeah pretty crappy. and if you make a really good movie and that's awesome and that's great then it'll normally do well but the box office wasn't good for this movie it really underperformed because it's so bad and it, there's just nothing to it even the pre honestly even the, the trailers dark Fe- phoenix syndrome yeah even the trailers didn't get me excited and just like dark phoenix this is kind of a mess but the, the difference to me is men in black international kind of just levels out whereas dark phoenix was just a like a dumpster fire right and made no sense it was clearly patched together and had terrible acting this movie people were trying it just sort of levels out and takes the safe road everything about it is just super safe mediocre mediocre it's like simply complex is like a new thing i'm learning about film they're making it super complex but still it's somewhat simple it it kind of talks down to you sometimes like i find these reboots like like the um new jurassic park movies kind of talk down to you like you're dumb like like, like they're it, like we're gonna introduce you to all these plot yeah. points but we're gonna hold your hand it's the whole way <laughs> whereas men in black and and jurassic park 
are smart movies and make an audience guess things and don't tell you everything right away. And that's how we created this fandom of, of analyzing things because there's things in the movies that you don't see now. I think there seems to be a trend that producers and filmmakers seem to think Oh, it's not a trend. Are... They've always thought we're stupid. Yeah, they think we're really dumb. <laughs> like, and I've done it, a little uh, bit of this kind of research. Yeah. They've always thought and we maybe that's true. Hey, maybe that's true. The, like, the last Transformers movie made a billion dollars. Maybe there's a lot of dumb people out there. I'm willing to accept that. However, this movie is just not anything interesting that I would say that is worth seeing in a the theater. I'm giving it a stream it because it's not complete and total no. disaster but don't go to the movies to th see it there's no reason to i don't think there's anything wrong with making films for the lowest common denominator like i've seen dumb and dumber and i've enjoyed it you know what i mean like these movies i don't oh, think for sure i enjoyed not dumb everything dumb has to be like a prestige movie no. not everything has to be you know sometimes you just want to tune in and drop out but it, it it still has to be a good movie. It has to be coherent. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber is more coherent of a film than The Dead Don't Die and Men in Black International. It has more heart to it. It has more cl clarity as to where it's going. It does not talk down to you, even though it's it's dumb humor, and that's the whole point of it. It has plot points that are that have layers. And it has heart. And it has heart. There's a search and a mystery and a vision, and there's there's something that characters going to go to achieve. And they're they're trying to get there, and you get to know them, and you develop who they are, and you and you like them along the way. I always reference this movie, but Balls of Fury. Yes, you always that where that, it's yeah. kind of like it would be considered a B movie, but like it has a it has really good performances. It has a coherent plot. It has a great cameo by um, Christopher Walken, but by a, by like. Critic standards, it would be considered like a B movie, right? But probably it, by the sounds of it, would still be better than Men in Black International. Yeah, and the thing about Men in Black International is, it's just that's the problem is is there's nothing even in it that's worth pointing out, extremely positive or extremely negative. It's just kind of along this middle ground. Wah, wah. Like if I were to give it a rating out of ten, it'd probably be like a four or a five. It's kind of like yeah, it's kind but of. But stream there. it, eh? Stream it just because. Hey, like if you want to watch something, you could watch this. And but it's not it's not as bad as Dark Phoenix, but I also would not say good enough to see in the theaters. Yeah, not good enough to see in the theaters. But I would if I watched Men in Black International on Netflix some evening, I don't think I would have thought it was a waste of time. I'm like, uh huh, whatever. Maybe it'd be like um, an airplane movie. Yeah, absolutely. Of which we sometimes say airplane. should be our our fourth yeah. category. Um, I'm getting reports. Like I'm getting, I'm getting text reports that Pete Davidson's hilarious. Who said this? Um, I think Pete Davidson is not funny. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm looking around like. No, no one's, no one's like <laughs> looking at us. I'm just, I'm just saying I'm getting. Who on staff here I'm likes getting, Pete Davidson? I'm getting texts saying that Pete Davidson is hilarious. Um, to I, be fair, I don't watch SNL. I don't think it's um, funny at all. He just kind of like looking at him. He kind of just gives me the heebie-jeebies. He, he reminds me a lot of um, Jimmy Fallon. Whereas I think uh, the gets, writing is better than the person. Yeah, it gets better on that kind of schmoozy. Yeah, like I think Jimmy Fallon and Pete Davidson are the type of comedians that, with a good writer behind them, um, then they're they're pro they're pretty good. Right. But but on their own, I don't think they're particularly funny. And Pete Davidson's funnier bits from SNL have been all written by John Mulaney. Yeah, because they're buddies. They're buddies. Yeah. Sometimes that's but it, you just need a good. You need a good writer. A good well, it's writer. What's kind of like Bill Hader? like would have would have John Mulaney write for him all the time but Bill Hader is also very good on his own 
I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes you need a professional partnership. Well, like I think, one person, yeah. But yeah. John Mul- Mulaney on his own is great. It's great. But maybe Pete Davidson is just that type of person. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, like, maybe maybe he's, like, you know, some people can like him and that's fine. But maybe Pete Davidson is just that type of person who requires that secondary person and when together. To bring it out better. of yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah. you know, frankly, that's what directors are supposed to do. They, made they bring a, something out of them. He made a cameo in The Dirt. I didn't think he was that great because he wasn't really playing, like, a comedic. Yeah. He's playing like the band. He's playing Motley Crue's like manager. Yeah. Or like you know one of the the he might be like an album exec. And I'm mm. like oh that's Pete Davidson. Pete whatever. Davidson. There you go. <laughs> Looking creepy. <laughs> Looking like Steve Buscemi. Skip it. <laughs> that's our rating. <laughs> but one. don't skip the dirt. Pete Davidson. Oh, okay. stream it's the dirt. Worth worth watching. Even with Pete Davidson. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Um, shall we go into some headlines? Yeah. Jump right into it. Oh, yeah, we're no, gonna jump no right intro. No, okay. no, we, we, we have 11 minutes left, and you yeah. have a bunch there, and I want to get to some um, of them. So yeah, do I do it. have a lot. So our first um, headline actually alludes to what you're talking about in terms of box office performance. So oh, weekend great. box office, not an ideal weekend for Men in Black International, Shaft, or Nostalgia. Not a great plan. So um, Men in Black uh, topped the box office, but it only earned um, $28.5 million. And so it says, just how disappointing is that turnout? Let's put it this way. In its second weekend, Secret Life of Pets 2 dropped off 49% and still only trailed Men in Black International by less than $5 million. So, oh, like, okay. Men in Black was, you know, the best. But Secret Life of Pets, who's already been in theaters for a week, only made five million dollars less than that it was its second week right for yep okay um um it's also the worst opening ever for a fran- for the franchise a head shaking point for those of us who th- sat through men in black 2 even in its international hall of 1.2 uh, uh sorry 102.2 million <laughs> isn't enough to cover the 110 million mm. price tag so it didn't even cover its budget and you gotta even though that's the budget that's released you have to know that there's marketing on top of that that's yeah. never accounted that's just production so you always take half the production budget and assume that that's its marketing mm-hmm. budget and then um 2019 the shaft which is um considered a sequel not a reboot shaft Shaft, sorry (laughs) i'm such a nerd um so shaft which is considered a sequel not a reboot um quietly entered the box office at number six getting bested by aladdin dark phoenix and rocket man Mm -hmm. so i guess it's one of those things where you know dark phoenix whatever but aladdin and rocket man these big movies People are going to keep seeing them in theaters. They're going to see that instead of Shaft or mm. Men in Black International. But anyways, Men in Black International, horrible performance. Yep. Not great. Not great. Not a great plan. Gaten Matarozzo, uh, his cool new Netflix prank show is all about screwing with people trying to find work. Not a great plan. I The minute I heard about this, I, I thought that, that it sounds so terrible. And he's a kid. Yeah, so he's, he's from Stranger Things. He's the he's the curly haired kid from Stranger Things. So you've got a child running around messing with people, and you think that that's a good reality TV he's show? He's producing the television show, wow. so I don't know. I mean, you might have read more. I don't know if he's he's starring. So he's gonna host yeah, it he's essentially. The host, yeah. Um. So it's gonna be an eight episode Netflix prank series. 
And so I guess, you know, a lot of people have been saying like, oh, how horrible you're pranking people looking for work. The premise is that someone's going in on their first day of a part time job. And then, you know, like any prank show, insanity ensues. So everyone's like, oh, my gosh, like, how could they make fun of people in this economy trying to find work? Blah, 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 blah. Netflix had a statement (laughs) saying that. Um, the pranks of prank encounters, that's the name of the show, are spooky, supernatural, and over the top, and everyone has a great time. All participants come in with the expectation that it was a one-day hourly gig, and everyone got paid for their time. So essentially, Netflix had to be like, whoa, 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 we're not ruining these people's lives or their or their job search. Yeah, I mean, reality TV is, is fake, <laughs> but still, it just sounds like a... But I guess there's enough blowback now, but reading this... There was a Canadian, I'm pretty sure it was Canadian, but it was on like YTV um, in the 2000s, the exact same premise. And I don't remember what it was called, but it would be like someone gets a new job, like their friend gets them the job for the day. And then, you know, either like alien autopsy, the house is haunted, like whatever, whatever. So like, this is the exact same show that was on YTV. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, what the heck? Like, I'm like, that's like spooky supernatural. Like there's an episode where, you know, they're at a biomedical building and then all of a sudden the corpse gets off the the table. Don't get me wrong. Amazing to watch. Sure. But I'm like, this isn't yeah prank encounters so i someone do the research because i hope it's not one of those things like the bernstein bears where i'm living in a different universe and misremembering things but ytv had its own prank show someone has to explain that to me oh so there's like i don't know the name of it but essentially it's a phenomena where uh, everyone remembers something one way and then other people remember it another way yes yes so the bernstein bears which everyone, that's what they call it, the Bernstein, like yeah. S-T-E-I-N. Yeah. It's actually like the bar- the Bernsteins or the Burstans. Like Bernstein Bears is actually spelled a completely different way. But everyone you talk to remembers it being spelt Bernstein. Gotcha. So I'm gotcha. saying like, am I remembering I, I hear, this yeah, show, but it doesn't actually... <laughs> Gotcha. Exists. But <laughs> I have, my sister's friend was on it. So, um, wow. yeah. Anyways, check it out. It was, I think it was called like Scare Factor Scare or something. Factor or something. something like that. It was a YTV show. Is yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, really great show. But anyways, so Gaten or whatever his name is, it's not even original, but I'll probably watch it. I like a good prank. <laughs> I like a good prank show. I'm okay with some prank shows, but I don't know. With a child, I just don't. I think he's just going to, like, he'll be the one that, like, comes out and yeah. be like, you're on yeah. Prank Encounters. Yeah. I like prank shows that are, like, uh, I get that. What was the one? I get that a lot where they put celebrities in everyday situations and the people would say. You've been punked. N- no, they like, the people would come up to them and be like, oh, you look like whatever. And they'd say, I get that a lot. And then oh. they would pretend they're not that person. Like like Wayne Brady and like somewhat recognizable. Yeah, Ellen DeGeneres does that with her guests yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah, and that, I think that's like, that's that type of prank show is fun for me, but nothing else. We'll see. So um, our next headline, the communists of Russia call plan. for... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my fingers slipped. The communists of Russia is not a great plan. <laughs> the communists of Russia call for Chernobyl ban lawsuits against creators. Not a great plan. So we reported on this last week. Yeah, so people in Russia are 
calling for like a distancing from the new Chernobyl, the new HBO Chernobyl mm-hmm. series, which is amazing, by the way. Yeah. Everyone should watch it. It's That's incredible. why Russia's mad because they're like everyone, even <laughs> so Russians good. are watching it. It's very popular in Russia. So the communists of Russia, a Marxist-Leninist political party, separate ah. from the larger communist party of the Russian Federation, sure has called for a libel lawsuit against series creator Craig Madsen and the show's producers. The party cites an Article 129 of the Criminal Code of Russia, which forbids the spreading of deliberately falsified information that degenerates the honor and dignity of another person or undermines his reputation. So essentially, they're saying that the TV series um, is a propaganda. It's, ideolog- it's an ideological tool designed to defame and demonize the image of the Soviet government and Soviet pe- people. So this communist party, the communists of Russia, obviously want to go back to the Soviet system, and they're saying the show is propaganda against it, um, and they are actually calling, they want to, um, the Russian censors to, like, take it off air. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're probably just a bunch of... Well, I mean, you had to see this coming with some of the complaints that were coming in from them before, but yeah, I don't know. The show's fantastic, so... <laughs> it is what it is. Um, do we have time yeah. for another one? Give, give us another one. Jim Jarmusch, who just made a zombie movie, isn't that into zombies? <laughs> Not a great point. I don't want your life. Um, he doesn't want that zombie life. No, he doesn't. And that's probably why the movie wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, like, boy, does this explain a lot. <laughs> so originally he was asked, okay, so why, if you're not into zombies, why make a zombie movie? He said he was really drawn to the idea of making something very silly, something ridiculous. He wanted the characters to be like sketches, kind of like cartoons. Um, And then elsewhere, he said, so he was kind of committing to the it's, you know, I wanted to do something kind of over the top. And then elsewhere in another interview, he said the obviousness of the metaphor and the times we live in drew me to it, which is part of my (laughs) my theory about maybe, oh, it's about kind of a pessimistic reaction except it's to... so not obvious that i had no idea what was going on not a great point exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um time for another uh, yeah one one more quick one this one's for you simon kilberg says dark phoenix was never supposed to be a classic superhero movie not a great point kinberg kinberg um, sorry he he doesn't deserve his right name um that is I can't even begin to, I just, you know. You know, he doesn't. Not a great plan. Not quite my tempo. <laughs> he says that um, as the writer-director, he takes full responsibility he for should. the audience not um, interacting with yeah, the film the it. way he wanted to. And directed it. But he also says that, you know, he never wanted to make a classic superhero movie. He wanted it to be a more dramatic, intimate, smaller film. Okay. And so he blames part of the the problem is that it had a summer blockbuster timeline when it should have been released no. in the fall. Okay, I got one minute to do this. Part of the problem is that movie's terrible. That's the full problem. <laughs> There's no part of the problem is the time it was released. It was already pushed back. It was already moved because you weren't ready. It wasn't done. And you had to recreate your third act because you wrote it in the exact same way as Captain Marvel, which also came out in the same year so that's problem number one and two the other thing is that there is a small intimate movie called logan that is a yeah. a, a more character driven art house film that is one of the best movies ever made when it comes to superhero movies so you what you made was an absolute cgi mess of a disaster with terrible writing no discernible plot points characters that were unlikable you took professor xavier and made him unlikable that is a skill sir and you should i guess be proud of that but really you just honestly should never write again and i am absolutely horrified by your stupid
stupid comments. You're and terrible. time's up. Time's up. <laughs> Go see some movies.